Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Eric Eager, data scientist for Pro Football Focus, joining us. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. Eric, how you been, man? Uh, you know, all things considering, things are pretty good. Uh, how about you? We are doing okay. We're not. Uh, we're not. We're not that bad, considering the way life could possibly be versus what it is now, and maybe things get a little bit better down the road. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you, so as a data scientist, because when we talk about this, uh, people say, well, what does that mean? So st- are you just studying the facts, the figures, the statistics, the percentages of certain situations, of certain players, of certain capability? Uh, yeah, I mean, more. Or less, I mean, one of the things that, you know, our, our data people do, the people that collect information, is they're basically grading the players uh, on every play. Uh, you know, and sort of, you know, this guy won his block, this guy won his block. Uh, you know, he lost that, you know, he made this throw. He didn't make that throw. And, and uh, a lot of my job is going through and looking at the historical data and saying, well, how likely was it for a player to do certain things? And therefore, how, how valuable was that to his team, um, you know, over time? So uh, a lot of that is that. And then, and then prediction is a big part as well. When teams, you know, we have 32 NFL clients. We have over 80 college football clients. A lot of them want to know, you know, if I draft this player, what kind of guy, you know, what kind of player is he going to bring to my particular scheme? And so a lot of that is sort of contextualizing a lot of, you know, sort of what our data people, what our scouts, you know, uh, uncover in the film. Uh, you know, that's basically my job is to, is to sort of predict uh, and to explain uh, using uh, data. So let me ask you this, because uh, all the questions uh, are about uh, right now in our own backyard about Aaron Rodgers and about Jordan Love, and there's a big discussion there. So, we know father time catches up with players at a particular age. We, for quarterbacks, it's anywhere from 35 to 37. Somewhere in there, it really starts to grab them. Statistically, Aaron Rodgers has declined over the last couple of years. But do we see Aaron Rodgers making the same amount of plays, or do we see Aaron Rodgers missing more of the same amount of plays? It's a, it's an extremely interesting question because you know Rodgers has only thrown six interceptions the last two years, um, and you know one of the one of the things about that. So you know Packer fans will say you know that's a, a very good mark for him. Um, you know, and then we'll t- we'll take a step back and say you know yes, it's very good that he limits turnover worthy plays is sort of what we call them. Um, but a lot of times he's doing that at the expense of either extending a play. Uh, he's doing that at the expense of possibly you know taking sacks so he's taken you know upwards of 80 sacks the last two seasons um so he's doing some things that are interesting like he's still going to have a really good passer rating he's still going to have a really good uh you know quarterback uh composite score you know if you will um but there are things that he's doing where and and i think a lot of it is supporting cast and i think you're seeing a lot of it you know mike mccarthy sort of learning from his, his uh failure in green bay uh by acquiring wide receivers in dallas but a lot you know when 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 Rogers sits in the pocket and waits that extra two seconds, you know, in 2014, Randall Cobb would break open or Jordy Nelson would break open. Back in the day, it was Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, and, and now he just doesn't have that. He has one really good receiver and a bunch of players who are trying to prove themselves. 
And so what we're seeing with Rodgers is we're seeing fewer and fewer what we call positively graded plays. He's still limiting negatively graded plays, which is good, um, but the, the, the outcome has been less offensive efficiency for them, especially in the passing game. Um, I, I wanted to know as well, because we talk about, we here talk about the talent around Aaron Rodgers. Um, obviously, Geronimo Allison not here anymore. They don't have that lineup of Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson and James Jones and Donald Driver. They don't have that. Is the talent significantly, I don't want to say worse, because that's probably not the best of terms, but is it significantly downgraded that Aaron Rodgers is working with? versus years gone by? I mean, can we just directly correlate the talent around Aaron to Aaron and those statistics coming back down? Or is it the fact that maybe we're just in a different era with coaching here uh, and that Matt LaFleur, the percentage of certain calls, the percentage of certain uh, certain things for Aaron Rodgers to do has gone down as well, and they're dedicated more towards the run than they are the pass? Uh, and that can certainly be it. And, and you know, the they have an amazing running back in Aaron Jones, and I think Jamal Williams, Gets a lot of flack from Packer fans for not being as good as Aaron Jones, but he's fine himself. Um, but you, the, the the hard part is is when you look at what correlates with offensive performance. You know, wide receiver. You know, we we've historically always thought that you know left tackle was the second most important position, and then running back was you know a lot of running backs have won MVP over the you know maybe not the last ten years, but over the course of the last 30, 40, 50 years. And you know, ultimately speaking, though, when it comes to offensive efficiency. It's the pass catchers. And, you know, you know, Jermichael Finley was one of those players where for a brief time he added a ton of value. Throws to tight ends are more valuable than any other throw in football. And the Packers have lacked sorely at that position over the past few years. And Jared Cook was somebody, once he got healthy in 2016, that was the last really good elite stretch of Aaron Rodgers play we've seen. Um, you know, and then when you look at, you know, passes to the slot are very, very efficient. And when Randall Cobb lost the fastball, that was really, you know, what we saw there. And so I can understand LaFleur sort of seeing some of the success that teams like San Francisco have had, uh, success that teams like the Los Angeles Rams have had, sort of shifting his offense more towards a run-focused look. But even among those offenses, we've seen that that is relatively fleeting. I mean, even the 49ers a season ago were a team that was middle of the pack in terms of successful run plays. High, they were, you know, top six or seven in terms of, you know, explosive run plays, but explosiveness is hard to match year to year. Successful plays are easy to match year for year. And Green Bay was the king of successful passing plays from probably, you know, 2000, you know, even seven with Favre all the way until probably 2014. They got back a little bit of in the second half of 2016, but that's really where their offense has struggled is that, you know, when Rodgers, you know, hits that back foot, it was scary for defenses in, you know, 11 and 14. It's, you know, sort of ordinary now. Uh, in the as far as in the the, the rest of the division, uh, when we look at statistics and say, okay, we know that the Vikings were a good team last year. Do the Vikings now, with personnel changes and such, in your eyes, did they get exponentially better? Has the gap closed? We'll say between the the Vikings and the Packers, have the 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 Bears gotten better? So I guess the question is, with Mitch Trubisky or even the addition of Nick Foles, does that make them dramatically better? How do you see the division right now? It's a really interesting paradox because I think a lot of people would say that Green Bay had the worst draft among the NFC North teams and Minnesota had the best. Um, but, you know, we're dealing right now with unprecedented circumstances in terms of, you know, practice time, in terms of, uh, you know, I think continuity really being king. And Minnesota lost, you know, Everson Griffin. They lost all three of their starting cornerbacks. They've, they lost Stephon Diggs, who you can argue is their best player 
uh, on the team. Um, 15 draft picks, and many of them are very good, but I'm very skeptical, even as good as Mike Zimmer can be, that the Vikings are going to be better next year uh, because they have to replace so many players who are proven. Green Bay, and as you guys saw in 2011, when you have an abbreviated offseason, continuity is really something you can leverage. And I think even though their draft wasn't particularly good, a lot of their key pieces, especially defensively, are going to be back. So when I look at that division, I think Green Bay is the favorite. I don't think they're going to be 13-3, and three, but I do think that they're you know, clearly the favorite. Chicago, you know, they got a lot of regression last season, uh, you know, not only at the quarterback position, but also in, in creating turnovers. That's something that you don't see year to year. I think 2018 was more of a blip than anything. Uh, you know, outside of Detroit, who I think has some components that are pretty good and gave the Packers a run for their money in both games last year, I, I think Green Bay is a decided favorite in this division. And people who are looking at the Vikings and what they did over the last month, I think are not factoring in how difficult it's going to be to acclimate all those players into an NFL system so quickly. Uh, I wanted to ask you, what does it take? Uh, do, I mean, I, obviously, uh, general managers look at many, many different statistics and just play in the eyeball test. But what does it take to look at age of a player coming out of their contract and the percentage of what it is they should or should not be paid? Or is it just as simple as if you find a talent for less money that does the same thing, that's the direction you're going to go? Because they've got guys like Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley, and then Aaron Jones all coming up for contracts. So what statistically do you look for to say this guy is worth the money, this guy is not? Yep. To me, it's, it's almost entirely positional value, uh, along with age, certainly. But, you know, for example, like Aaron Jones, the, the really hard thing to convince people of is the fact that Aaron Jones can score 18, 19 touchdowns and, and, and not be all that much more valuable than a running back that you can select, let's say, second or third round. Just because, you know, the offense, generally speaking, if, you know, you can predict the, the value of a run play based upon how many men are in the box, how good the offensive line is, and what the down and distance are. And, you know, you do get some explosive plays with Jones, but it's, it's you know, they're a dime a dozen. We've seen that with Todd Gurley. We've seen that with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, players of that ilk have not, you know, generally speaking, met the, you know, met the value there. Uh, left tackles, you know, Bakhtiari, for example, like we've seen left tackles, you know, they're, they're valuable, they're necessary. The offensive line is a very anti, you know, very fragile group. You need, you know, at least average players along there. Um, and, and when you get a player like Bakhtiari who literally just, just doesn't get beat in pass protection, to me, that, that's where you go. And we've seen players beat that age curve as offensive linemen have become increasingly more fit uh, over the past 10 or so years. So uh, Kenny Clark as well, I mean, the interior defensive lineman, it's just, a, it's a, just an issue of value. Uh, and we saw that this year. The Chiefs did not get one offer for Chris Jones, who you know, is a 15-sack defensive lineman, uh, you know, while he was on the franchise tag uh, during the draft. Uh, before I let you go, I also got to ask you with uh, with the, the shift right now. You look at guys that, especially older guys. You can look at a guy like Philip Rivers going to Indianapolis. Uh, you got uh, Tom Brady going out of Tampa Bay. Guys that are getting up there in years. Ben Roethlisberger, another one. You got Drew Brees coming back. Um, I've seen uh, over the last few years Tom Brady obviously winning Super Bowls. Peyton Manning did it, but Peyton Manning did it behind a really good defense. When you get to a certain percentage of, say, 13 to 15% of the team's total salary and you're a veteran and you can't afford to put additional guys around you, there's only been one or two quarterbacks in the history to win a Super Bowl over the age of 40. And secondly, any quarterback that's ever had more than 13% of their team's total salary cap has never won a Super Bowl. How much do you look into that? Uh, it's a huge part of the equation. I think the, the hard part is, 
you know, most of, so that, and that statistic is true. I would say that most of the people, you know, most people looking back at the Matt Ryan contract, uh, the Aaron Rodgers contract, uh, you know, those, those types of deals would do them over again. Um, you have to be judicious. You know, oftentimes though, when a, when a quarterback does earn that contract, it's because of luck or, you know, a good draft variance, which you guys saw in Green Bay for years and years and years, you know, hit on every, <laughs> almost every pick you had, especially in round two or later. And, and then unfortunately the decline of the team comes after paying the quarterback and then, you know, sort of regression to the mean in terms of draft success. We've seen that in Seattle, for example. So it is really tricky. I think the hard part is, is I'm always going to pay a quarterback who I think is elite. So if Kansas City should not be having this conversation about Russell Wilson. I think Seattle should have never had the conversation about, or sorry, about Patrick Mahomes. Seattle should have never had that conversation about Russell Wilson. But it really gets tricky when you're talking about Dak Prescott, about Jared Goff, about quarterbacks who I think are rung beneath. Because when you pay a quarterback who's really dependent upon his circumstances, and then you make it harder for him to have good circumstances, I do think it's a recipe for, uh, for a, 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 a regression in success. I tell you what, Eric, I appreciate it as always. Uh, glad to have you on, man. Thanks. Good stuff. And uh, we will touch base again soon. Okay? Stay safe. Yeah, you as well, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Eric Eager, data scientist for Pro Football Focus. You can find him at Pro Football, at PFF underscore Eric, at PFF underscore Eric. He joins us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard. They treat you fair. 80-plus years they've been getting it done. Call them 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 